Welcome to Mihinte on Air on 100.5 and 790 News Radio WSGW and online WSGW.com. Now, here is your host, Larry Rodarte. Bienvenidos. Welcome to Mihinte on Air, where we talk about concerns affecting the Latino community. And this week, throughout Mexico and many Latin American homes, they will honor Dia de los Muertos. Dia de los Muertos. Do you know what that means? Day of the Dead. So we'll talk about its meaning and its tie-in, how the COVID pandemic is also affecting this tradition locally. But first, how many really understand what is this traditional holiday of Day of the Dead? I'm going to try to explain because I have seen where people have said it's just Mexico's Halloween. And it certainly is not. It's far from that, the way the meaning of this traditional holiday. And to me, Dia de los Muertos is remembering and honoring our deceased loved ones. And it's really a healthy way in the time of grieving when you've lost someone. Because when I lost my mother in 2003... The celebration of life as opposed to the celebration of death is what really helped me to believe and really feel the, the meaning of our eternal life. And way back, the Aztecs and the Mayans believed it was a time when the spirits of their beloved ones would return home to visit and they would build elaborate altars to welcome them back on their journey. With the European colonizers came the Catholic faith of All Souls Day and All Saints Day. And they meshed the two, and with the indigenous Indians' beliefs, this is how we celebrate Dia de los Muertos today. And during the month of October, as we head into November, members of La Unión Cívica Mexicana typically are preparing for their annual Dia de los Muertos brunch, an annual event since 2008, which was canceled in 2020 and again this year because of the pandemic. The ladies there would wear flowers in their hair, donning calavera face paint with rabosos over their shoulders, and the ofrendas were elaborate and folkloric dancers came from Detroit to celebrate. But again, not this year. COVID-19 has forced safety-based cancellations on Dia de los Muertos in the United States and Mexico. And locally, I've asked the leaders of the Union Civica to speak out, to tell their experience of dealing with COVID since this past August, when the Delta variant prevailed and caused havoc in our communities. And today, I have the Vice President of the Union Civica Mexicana with us, Ms. Teresa Gomez. Welcome to Mi Gente On Air, Teresa. Thank you, Larry. Thanks for being with me today. Teresa, we would always be preparing right now for our annual brunch, which the last two sold out. We had over 300 people at the Civica Hall, and we were worried about the fire marshal coming in and shutting us down because we had so many people. And it was just was a wonderful, wonderful celebration. But as I've said, we've had to cancel the last two years because of the pandemic. What are mm-hmm. your thoughts about Dia de los Muertos? Well, Larry, first of all, thank you for the opportunity. Um, we were raised with that not knowing, um, as I know the older gente will agree with me, every home had an ofrenda, an English, an altar, where 
we would put our past loved ones, our statues, our virgins of different faith, um, our crosses, and real candles, real velas. So we were used to that. And you were right. It was with our colors. Mm-hmm. Vibrant colors, because my mom said it's a celebration. It's mm-hmm. not death. Yes. So we were raised that way. And so when you brought it back to the Civica, and I was telling my mother, she let me take almost her whole altar. I mean, I kept the shells on the wall, but I took everything down and took it to the Union Civica. Yes, because we wanted to showcase this to our whole community, not just the Hispanic community, but anybody that would come and celebrate with us because they were interest. There was interest growing in the United States for this Mexican holiday. Right. And well, not only that, you made it clear that it wasn't like Halloween because of the calaveras, the skull face. Right, right. And, and let me explain that because that, that's a very important point. The calavera faces, if if you will, that, that's what um, is a typical part of Dia de los Muertos. And in Mexico, what they do is they take uh, makeup and they paint their faces into like skeletal faces. And some would say that it's kind of gruesome, but it, it really isn't because they actually do it very beautiful with cobwebs uh, as part of the makeup. And um, they have the flowers in their hair. And it's really beautiful. But the significance of the Calavera is that with Dia de los Muertos, they're actually making fun of death. They are saying, you know, we may all have to die because we all do. But death cannot defeat us because we go on to our eternal life, you know, in heaven with God the Father or, or whatever your belief is. So death cannot defeat us. And that's part of the whole reason they're ba- basically mocking death with the Calavera faces during Dia de los Muertos. And it's become, you know, a beautiful uh, tradition and display. And many people actually are doing Calavera faces as their Halloween uh, yes. costume. And that's where the confusion comes in. And they say, oh, well, Dia de los Muertos is Mexico's, you know, Halloween. But it's not. The meanings are totally different. In Halloween, you know, I, I, they're celebrating witches and goblins and, you know, all that we have done with that American holiday. But with Dia de los Muertos, it's a total different meaning. And it is basically Dia de los Muertos, Day of the Dead, is celebrating life, our eternal life, in heaven. I hope and I explain that. I had said that's why we're, we, we have the flowers in our hair. We, we paint our skulls with vibrant colors and, and stones and jewels. She said it's a transition where we come back as skeletons because, you know, they went to heaven, their souls are there, but they're not really skeletons. The calaveras, they're alive. Yeah, yeah, and that was real. Yeah, and it was really depicted nicely in the movie Coco by Disney a few years ago, and that's when it, you know, the celebration of Dia de los Muertos really became known, especially here with non-Hispanics, and they started really celebrating them, and and you've seen like the Saginaw Art Museum now having their annual display of Dia de los Muertos and the ofrendas, and it's just it's just a fun cultural celebration. But culture is the key word. Yes. And my mom even said, she goes, since the Union Civica bought it back, she says, we had to bring our items from Mexico or Texas, wherever they migrated, yeah. you know, because my mom was a migrant. Now 
you can go anywhere, Michael's, Target, Walmart, and they sell all Day of the Dead. Yeah, yeah, and 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 you know the thing about that you mentioned, uh, they had to bring it back because, like many of our Mexican traditions, our language, our foods, a lot of that uh, kind of was uh, almost forgotten in some aspects as our people assimilated here in America through through the years, you know, the fifties, the sixties, but yeah. you know, if many of us kept those traditions. And we just dis- displayed them in our homes. And then as we, you know, started becoming, you know, it's kind of be, it's kind of cool to celebrate these different cultures that make us unique and, you know, add to the vibrancy of our community. We started bringing all that stuff back. And now you get even non-Hispanics who are celebrating Dia de los Muertos. And, it, yeah. and it's, it's really beautiful. So, well, you know, I, 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 we talk about that, you know, we talk about uh, the ofrendas and, and I know that. You know, we sometimes put out a glass of water, we put out tamales, we put out the favorite foods of our deceased loved ones. That's part of the celebration as well. And we have done that at the Civica. And there's also the marigold flower, which is the flower for Dia de los Muertos or Day of the Dead. What else do you remember as we were preparing and putting these altars together at the Civica? For me, when I did my first one, we bought artifacts of their life. For instance, my father did the Korean War, so I bought his medal. Yes. And then when he came back, he became a laborer and then a musician. Oh, so yeah. We put that into the ofrenda, the life they left behind, or the legacy they left behind. Yes, and, and I remember your sister-in-law, Belia, uh, Gomez and how she uh, would win first place all the time because she would bring these beautiful artifacts of her family and, and they, she would put their her deceased loved ones in frames and um, they would have and her, her son Emilio Emiliano would add art to the ofrendas. I mean, it just was it just was a beautiful, beautiful display of love for family, which is basically what this is because we're, you know we're all on that journey and we all will. Uh, pass at some point in our beliefs and our hopes is that we all will go to heaven with the rest of our loved ones. So that's what this celebration really means to me. And you know, it's 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 taken on a whole kind of different meaning in these last two years with COVID. And I want to talk with you, Teresa, about that because you know here we should be uh, celebrating the annual tradition of Day of the Dead, and we're not doing that these last two years because of the COVID pandemic. And you, in September, actually, last month, or was it earlier this month in October, you actually got the COVID-19 virus, correct? Yes, yes, and, I did. Yes, and, and, and how did that affect you? What, what was your symptoms and uh, what, how did it affect you? Um, because you were vaccinated and yet you still got the virus. Well, I, I have mixed feelings because I I did whatever what I was told, you know, wear your gloves, wear your mask, get vaccinated. But I, I just dropped the ball for a minute. Was in a hurry, didn't didn't disinfect. But why I have mixed feelings is that I really felt that the ones that are not getting vaccinated, that's I really felt that's how I got contaminated because they they didn't want to get vaccinated, so I caught it. Yeah. Yeah, and and when yeah. did when did you actually catch the virus? 
I don't know the date, but it, it was the end of September going into October. Okay, so you, but you're done with it correctly. You're yes. you're, you're you're now uh, negative. You test negative. Yes. But are you having any effects from the virus? Long term effects? Well, my doctor told me I got checked. Um, it did affect my breathing. I I, I tire easy. My breathing was very labored, but he did check me and he said, if you just continue, you know, drinking water, taking vitamins and um, stay safe with your mask and disinfect, you will be all right, but it's going to be, it's going to be a while. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you were in the midst of having the virus, what were your symptoms? Severe headache, diarrhea, and then my chest was heavy and then nonstop coughing like I had fluid in my lungs for like four days. Wow. Okay. And our president, Angela Blanco, she's the president of the Union Civica, and her younger sister, Valerie Blanco, also were hit with the SARS-CoV-2 virus and in mid-September as well. And like Teresa, they were fully vaccinated. You know, and although, although Val, Valerie was hit harder with the headaches and the breathing issues, as Teresa has explained, as well as other symptoms, Angela, or we call her Mika, her butt was pretty mild, and she was really blessed to just go through the COVID virus relatively easy. I think it was like seven or eight days. But her younger sister, 10 years younger than her, Val, she's, she's still having breathing problems and still... Uh, having a hard, difficult time talking without coughing. And so, you know, we, we bring this out because we want to talk uh, and be translucent to the community and say, you know, many of our leaders within the Union Civica Mexicana did get the COVID um, virus. And, you know, we're trying to put a message out there. And that message is to basically get vaccinated. And Teresa, what how, what are your feelings about the vaccination? I, I'm for it, and I don't know why people say because I was told, "Well, look, you took you got the vaccine for nothing. You got it." I said the vaccine wasn't to cure me; it was to protect me. I really feel if I hadn't got the shots, I might not even be here, or I would be worse. Yeah, I really do feel it because. I'm going to tell you, I can't explain COVID, but gente, when you get it, you'll know. And and I'm not going to lie, it's scary, and it's real, and it kills. And I know if I didn't get the two two shots, yes, I think I would have been in a worse situation. Yeah, and uh, Angela and Valerie, you know, Angela said to me that she was a, a real big believer in the vaccines, because it kept them out of the hospital and it kept them off ventilators. And, you know, they uh, also saw their mother on a ventilator twice due to pneumonia. This is prior to the pandemic. So they knew that they didn't want that for anyone that they love, you know, to see them on a ventilator. So they want to say to everybody, please go get vaccinated. Don't be afraid. And Teresa, you had a poignant message in regard to the the vaccine, the actual shot. What what was it that message that you wanted to convey? I want to tell everybody, it's better to get the shot in your arm than a tube in your throat. Because you will be alone. At least I was fortunate to be home, quarantined, 
with my loved ones in the other room. When you're in that hospital, you're alone. Yes, that is so true. And, and according to the World Health Organization website, nearly 23,000 people in the state of Michigan have died from COVID-19. That's yes. 23,000 have died while 725,000 Americans nationwide have succumbed to the disease. 725,000 Americans. That is just unbelievable. You know, and the mentality of many is in turmoil, sick of the restrictions imposed on our lives. But, you know, it's compounded with grieving the loss of a friend or family member and then there's the indecisiveness over whether or not to get the vaccine for some. You know, it's just caused a lot of anxiety. This is what we are living in, this pandemic. And according to the Mayo Clinic, 39% of children aged 12 through 17 have been vaccinated in Michigan. 39%, while 57% of people aged 18 to 64, that's our age group, and 89% of those over the age of 65 have received two doses. You know, it, you know sometimes for some people, and, I, and everybody, it, this, this virus affects everybody differently, but sometimes for some people it's hard to talk about a positive diagnosis. So, Teresa, I'm, I'm really happy that you agreed to come and talk with my listeners about your experience with the COVID vaccine. And, and I just wonder, is, is there a stigma or a sense of embarrassment? Why is it that sometimes people don't want to talk and let others know that they're positive? I think it's fear. fear. I think it's mind over matter. It, it does consume you. And those who had COVID and are in quarantine, we reflect and we think. And our mind will make us afraid and fear will make us scared and angry. Yes. Yes. You, I think you hit it on the spot there with that comment, because with those that I know, loved ones that I've talked to that have had the COVID virus, that's exactly what they go through. And their, the, the anxiety, it's the, the mind over the matter. You know, it's, it's, it's the mentality of, OK, you know, even myself, sometimes if I, I feel like I've got a little fever or I'm coughing a little bit because of the change of weather, you know, you have those symptoms yearly, at least mm -hmm. I do right away. You think, Oh my God, I got COVID, you know? And so, you know, you think it, okay, so should I go get a test? Where do you get a test these days? And, you know, you're thinking about, well, I got the vaccine and, and then, and then you got to put into play the whole idea of an, a booster shot that they're now giving out. And then on top of that, they're talking about, well, can you mix your shots? If you got the Pfizer shot, can you get the Moderna shot booster? Uh, I mean, so these are really trying times. And um, I'm happy to say that last week I did get my booster shot uh, through the Saginaw Health Department over on Sears on uh, Tippetawassee and Bay. And I would encourage everybody uh, to get that booster shot because now the CDC is saying that you can mix up those shots. Yeah. You can, if you've got the the Moderna, you can get the Pfizer booster. And uh, I took my 90 year old aunt, my aunt Della Chintaka, to go get her shot, and she was really disappointed because she had the Moderna vaccine, and um, they were giving out Pfizer booster shots that day, and so she wasn't able to get it. So I've got to take her again to go get that because she is a firm believer as well 
in science and in the vaccination. So I really want to thank you again, Teresa, for being with us here today. What do you feel, because you have experienced it firsthand, what do you what do you feel for all uh, the the people that tell you, you know, no way, no how are they going to get a vaccine? Well, for me, it will change. And when I got it, my kids were so heartbroken and they would come to the door, you know, leave me whatever I needed. And I'm telling you, if you love your children, if you love your parents, your husband or your favorite aunt, to see the look in the eyes. I felt like I was hurting them. Like, you know, and it broke my heart to know that they're, they're going through it with you. Yeah. Yeah. That's horrible. Yeah. And I was in Europe um, this past summer. Many know I went to Croatia and I went, you know, to clear my mind of, uh, you know, like we talk about this mentality thing about COVID and how it affects us and all. But I was over there and I was hearing that, uh, Teresa had tested positive. Angela and Valerie tested positive, and other members of the Civica were t- testing positive. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is, um, you know, this is the time we live in, and it's been very difficult. And thank God, as we speak and we are talking on this show today, at the end of October, the cases are coming down. They are coming down, but you know. We're heading into the holiday season again, you know, with Thanksgiving when last year that you, you know how it spiked uh, the COVID virus in the cases at that time. And I'm hoping that that's not what's going to happen again. And hopefully we're, we're getting out of this darkness of time with this COVID pandemic. And Teresa, I, I remember, you know, when you said you were having those breathing problems and, and how it affected you. Do you think that that's something that um, will clear up relatively with you quickly, or is it going to stick around for a little bit, like your doctor said? Uh-huh. I have to pace myself now, and if anybody that knows me, I, I run around. You know, I, I volunteer. I, I, I like and I love to dance. I'm just always busy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know that um, that's the case with many people. The long-term effects, the increased heart beating, and um, the coughing, those are long-term effects of the COVID yes. virus. If you can prevent that, do everything you can too, because, you know, it, it's important. Like Teresa said, it affects not only you, but your loved ones, especially uh, with those of you with children. At the end of August, the Center of Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, reported that unvaccinated people are 29 times more likely to be hospitalized with COVID-19 than those who are fully vaccinated. 29 times more likely. So as we move forward into the holiday season, as we may construct our own ofrendas or attend a novena to Our Lady of Guadalupe, let us remember all those we knew who have passed from this pandemic with great fondness and hold their memories in our hearts. Let's be smart and not needlessly end up in the hospital because we weren't vaccinated. Because to Statistics are showing that science is indeed helping in this long COVID battle. Thank you, Teresa Gomez, Vice President of the Union Civica Mexicana, for being with us today to talk about Dia de los Muertos and in the time of COVID. This is Mijinta on Air on WSGW.
mira nomás, que es el cosito. Yo no sé. You're listening to Mi Gente On Air on WSGW. Welcome back, welcome back, Mi Gente, and thank you for joining us today on Mi Gente On Air. And we're talking about Dia de los Muertos and the importance of getting the vaccine and how the pandemic, the COVID pandemic, has affected the traditional holiday as well as everything else that we're doing on a daily here in Saginaw and beyond. The Day of the Dead in Mexico is a celebration of life. The memories, the desires of the dearly departed are remembered on November 1st and 2nd. That's tomorrow. It is a time of fiestas and much celebration. But it is also a reflective time of great faith in the afterlife. And throughout Mexico and in many Mexican-American homes throughout the United States, there's many celebrations in the homes where they put up ofrendas or altars or in the cemeteries where the dead are remembered with food and prayers. But all that has changed kind of in the restrictions that we have with this COVID pandemic. And locally, La Unión Cívica Mexicana has had to cancel their annual Dia de los Muertos brunch and celebration. And today, I have two individuals also in the studio to talk about how the COVID pandemic has affected them and why they are working with the Hispanic COVID Task Force to really promote getting vaccinated. First, I have Mr. Bobby De Leon from the Mexican-American Council, a great leader in our community, along with, I'll call him his sidekick, Mr. Gilberto Guevara, who was the first Latino-Hispanic council person in the city of Saginaw, and he is representing the American GI Forum. Two great leaders to talk about getting vaccinated. Welcome, gentlemen, to Mi Gente on Air. Larry, I'm very honored to uh, be here on the radio with you and uh, of the importance of uh, what we have to collaborate with the community and uh, of the things that we're going to be doing in the next couple of months are going to be very important uh, because of the COVID. And uh, Larry, I've, I'm sad because I've lost more than about nine or ten, you know. Yeah. And, and again, it's very sad. But again, like I said, what do we need to do to actually encourage our community to get ready to get vaccinated? And this is why we're here today to uh, express ourselves and ideas that we're going to be putting in the next couple of months with you, Larry, uh, and along with the uh, organizations in our churches. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's you, you know, you mentioned those that you have lost and. I've, I've lost a number of people as well, friends. And even when I returned back from Europe just a couple of weeks ago, three, three individuals that I knew that I, I knew and loved in the community had passed from COVID. So, I mean, it, it's, it's out there and we have to continually work uh, with the community, our organizations, the, the GI Forum, the Union Civica Mexicana and the Mexican-American Council. Gil, what have you experienced lately uh, as a community leader with the pandemic? You know, first of all, Larry, thank you very much for the invite uh, to uh, just to share my thoughts and my experience in regards to COVID. Uh, you know, on the behalf of the American GI Forum, uh, we're in an older group. We're retired. Uh, we're veterans. And uh, our families are connected somehow with other families that have had COVID. And uh, we find ourselves in difficult times in terms of grief. 
uh, because of you know family members. I myself had a nephew, 59 years old, who passed away from COVID, leaving a wife and three children behind. That's devastating for the wife. It's devastating for the family uh, to all of a sudden not have that uh, person, uh, that main person in their household anymore. Uh, but, you know, these are the experiences that uh, we're finding in our community. My son had symptoms of COVID. He was quarantined for 14 days. I can tell you, being he was living, he's living in Chicago, and my wife and I found ourselves calling him every day trying to find out how he's doing. And when he was on the phone, he was coughing, and uh, it didn't sound good. We were very, very worried about him. And uh, But... I think the Lord tells us certain things and protects us. And after those that quarantine, he was he got better. Uh, his temperature went down, and he got stronger. And uh, he eventually went back to work. So you know that may be a late experience for some people, especially those that have had their dearly departed. You know that have left their life and have been with them for a long time. Uh, you know, sharing things, uh, family outings, Christmas holidays, whatever. They're not going to be with us, and I think that's going to be very difficult as we enter the holiday season of Thanksgiving and Christmas. Yes, and here we are like 19, 20 months into this pandemic, and it just continues. And it seems like sometimes we we get a little bit more lax than we were, say, in March of or April of 2020. And, and, you know, we've experienced COVID and the pandemic, and we sometimes don't wear our masks when we know we should. You know, it's it's been a long haul. Bobby, what have you experienced, you know, with the COVID that has a, has really affected you and made you a proponent to get the vaccine? Well, Larry, uh, last week, my brother uh, got one of the COVID shots. The booster? The booster. The, I don't think it was a booster. It was one of the, well, I think it was one of the shots. Okay? The original. Yeah. The original vaccine. And uh, he ended up in uh, Ann Arbor uh, because uh, he couldn't breathe no more. So it, it really concerned me that um, we were going to lose him. And uh, boy, it's not something to deal with, especially uh, my mom and the family, like, you know, crossing our fingers, telling God, hey, let's don't take him away from us, you know. But it was very close, very, very close, you know. And so here we are in the community, Larry, uh, with the idea of uh, people don't know that we are working in the community with other organizations, African American, the Anglo communities, to find ways that we can get people to understand to get this two COVID shots and get them out of the way and then the booster. But uh, we've been working very hard to actually try and find ways to uh, to get our people out there. Because we're at the bottom of the totem pole, Larry. We are. They're, they're afraid, and I don't blame them for being afraid, but something must be done ASAP. When you talk about us being at the bottom of the, uh, the, the pole there, we're talking about that sometimes Latinos were overlooked in terms of uh, how money or how uh, we are addressed and uh, they kind of categorize us with with other communities. But, you know, we all know we're part of the whole diversity of this community, and there are sometimes special needs. Early on when this pandemic started, we talked and we actually, the task force came up with providing Mexican meals, traditional Mexican meals to our people because, you know, to not be able to go to the store, not to be able to cook your traditional Mexican Mm -hmm. Comidas, it, it was difficult. And, you know, to just to go a long haul, number of different weeks, we, we cooked for eight weeks every Saturday, yeah. making either whether it was manudo or uh, different, different patitos, whatever, whatever it was, we were doing that for the community. So now today, here we are 20 months 
out. What are we doing with the Great Lakes Bay Health Center, the Saginaw um, uh, community, uh, the health department? What is it that the Hispanic Task Force is doing? Larry, what, what came up with the idea that when we met with the uh, community, uh, it was it was told at the table that we were not being seen enough out there on fires, fires, poster boards or billboards or, or uh, commercials. So uh, they took that into consideration and said, you know what, Bobby, you got a good point. We don't see your people on there. I said, well, you know what, the only way that we probably can convince our people to, to support us is to show them out there. Mm-hmm. So that the people, the families can say, that's mom and dad, or that's my cousin, yeah, and they're telling me, you know, hey, get my vaccination shots. So uh, United Way and, and um, Mexican American Council sat down and talked about the idea of, of putting a program out there, which uh, came to our table, and we received some funds. We received some funds to do commercials, to do posters, to do billboards, billboards yeah. um, all TV, these things, TV, television, commercials to bring that awareness to a greater level to our community and in the process, the greater community, yes. if you will. So, Gil, what is your participation? What, what do you see that you're going to be doing in the next uh, couple months here to help in that cause of getting people vaccinated? You know, I'm, I'm excited at the fact that uh, we're involving other entities outside of our community, uh, those that have the means, those that have... Uh, more of an impact in terms of reaching the community. I think they've learned that, you know, we have not in any way really tapped into the Latino community as we should be doing. And I think within that period of time and them realizing that they have not tapped into our community, they're saying now we have to do that. We're absent, uh, not only locally, but we're absent at the state level as well. We were absent at the migrant level as well. We were absent on the undocumented level as well. And therefore, our community was not receiving the necessary information to get these COVID shots. I think one of my responsibilities is to be absolutely sure that we get out there and inform our community, all our community, wherever they may be, you know, the undocumented, you know, the the DACA kids, uh, everybody, that this is important. You know, I'm, I'm, thankful that I have nieces that are our ends and that can say to me, you know, Uncle Gilbert, uh, that's a good thing. Shots. I saw you on Facebook. You were taking your shot. I saw you on Facebook when you and your wife were getting those shots. I think we need to continue to encourage our community that, you know, this has always been for us, but we've never been tapped into that resource of how they were reaching us. And let me tell you, it took them a while. When I say them, it took the health department, it took the state, it took local government to realize, man, we haven't received that part of our community. And they've been living here for a long time. They've been contributing to our community and uh, we just haven't reached them so my responsibility is i got to get out there and really push not only what just been mentioned about uh, radio station uh as television. public service you know, mm-hmm. pu- television you know all these other kinds of communication levels but they need to see our faces and that's the idea they're going to see our faces yeah and and that that's why it's important when we talked about uh, the experience of those that had COVID, like Teresa Gomez, our vice president, the Civica, she couldn't breathe. You know, she she she's winded. She says, and the quote that she said today was very poignant. It was very powerful when she said, "To those who may say, well, you had the vaccine and you still got COVID, so why would you get it?" And she says, "Well, I would rather have a shot in my arm 
than have a tube in my throat. That is powerful. That is really powerful because everybody, it's affecting everybody differently, but there are so many who have been on a ventilator, who have had that awful experience, and not only them, but their families, to see and witness them in the hospital bed on a ventilator. Sometimes they don't even get to see them because they have to stay out of the hospital. You know, they can't actually see them. And that that's just really terrible way to go. So I, I really applaud the efforts of those who are recognizing the importance of having the GI Forum, the Mexican American Council, the Civica, all the, the Hispanic organizations come forth and be a part of this movement to try to get our people vaccinated. So thank you for your efforts, gentlemen. Bobby, what do you want to add to that? Well, I want to add uh, one thing. Again, um, listen, Raza, we're not here to force you to take this shot. I know everybody is afraid in what you've heard out there in the TV world or the radio. But again, we are in the community. We're listening to the positives and the negatives. But again, we're here to make sure that we're going to make the right decision when we reach out to our community and get you ready to live longer. Especially now, Larry, that that, uh, we are looking at the idea that some of our children are going to get vaccinated. That brings another frightening thing to our our houses and our tables and our families what about the young kids yeah because uh if a parent is reluctant to get the vaccine how are they going to be for their children you know yet at the time you know we know that many of our children they did actually go back to school some did get COVID. i just uh, a friend of mine he just texted me before i came into this show and said that his kid um, that they sent him uh, they sent him home with a note saying that he had been exposed to somebody positive in the school and now he has to quarantine not only he but his whole family uh 14 days so it's still there out in our community and now we're going to go into the holiday season, starting with Dia de los Muertos and uh, uh, the Novenas to Our Lady of Guadalupe, as well as Thanksgiving, Christmas. You know, and and where are we? Where are we when all of a sudden, you know, uh, there's this confusion, if you will, for the boosters? Because now you can get the, the CDC is saying you can get the mixed boosters. If you got the Pfizer vaccine, you can also get the Moderna one. So that's a positive. But you know, there's sometimes all these mixed messages. So I hope that in our efforts and what we're doing, we're going to clarify some of that in the commercials as well as on, on some of the radio like we're doing today. We hope that people will get behind the Hispanic COVID task force and run with this because we need it for our community and we need for us to be, you know, uh, warriors, if you will, in this whole long battle of COVID. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, you know, I agree with you, Larry. Uh, I think, too, uh, we really have to stress is uh, those young people that are in schools, the elementary level, you know, the 5 to 11 that uh, are going to be getting a half a dose of that, that shot. And I was just talking to uh, a young lady who was cutting my hair, and she was saying, you know, my 9-year-old hasn't gotten a shot yet. And I says, are you going to be one of the parents that are going to hesitate uh, for your son to not take this shot, or what exactly is your thoughts? And she said, you know, I'm not sure, but the way things are going, I'm going to push myself to be absolutely sure that my 9-year-old son is going to get that shot because I sure don't want him to in any way, uh, you know, have COVID while he's in school. I said to her, I said, well, what is the school doing so to protect your son? 
uh, they have glass uh, sidings at each table? What exactly are doing? Are they mandating that kids wear masks? What exactly? And she said to me, you know something, these are the kinds of things I really don't know a lot about because I'm not asking those questions at the school level. I said, you know, you and many other parents need to do that. You need to find out exactly what the classroom environment is today uh, with the policy of the school board and the principal of that building is today. And Teachers, are they getting their shots? Do they have their shots? Are they wearing masks? There's just so many questions out there in regards to our young people that I think it's important that we protect them as much as we can in every way possible so they don't in any way uh, acquire any you know any of the COVIDs that uh, are out there. They're still out. The, the variances are out there, and it's making it difficult for a lot of us to say to ourselves, Oh, we've we've conquered this. We have not conquered this. It's still with us, and it'll be with us for a while. I don't see this going away in the next couple of years. You know, my producer Rob here, uh, he is got a, uh, uh, something to add to all this as we sit here, and uh, I want to give him a, a little bit of time here to say what he wants. Just something real quick. As a veteran, uh, I want to let all our veterans know that the. Uh, Elitz uh, Medical Center on White Street here in Saginaw is now offering, starting today, the Moderna and the Johnson Johnson booster shot. So make an appointment with your primary care physician and uh, get your booster shot at the uh, Saginaw VA if you're a veteran. Okay? It's totally free. Just wanted to add that to you because I'm getting mine next Tuesday. Thank you. Thank you. And I, I got my booster shot last Thursday uh, over at the old Sears Automotive uh, facility there. Yeah. And what they do um, is you, you wait in your car and you drive up, you give them your license and your pass um, COVID vaccination card. And they look you up in the computer to see which, to, to verify that you did in fact receive those booster shots because that's important. And then they will come to your car and actually give you the shot in your arm. You don't even have to get out. And then you wait like 15 minutes just to make sure there's no um, immediate side effect. And they also offer you free coffee so that you can get, so then you can drive off. So... Really, that's a real easy way to get the, the booster shots now as we go forward. And now they're offering both as well. That's the Saginaw County Health Department. They're offering both the Moderna and the Pfizer as of this week going into the hol uh, the Halloween uh, celebration in Dia de los Muertos. Bobby, what do you feel is going to be something that may hinder us from getting these boosters today? Larry, I, I think that the only way I could express on that is the idea of uniting with our community. Uh, we need to get our churches involved. We need to make sure that everybody understands that the information that we give them is up to date. Okay, that is going to be very important. What's going to happen between November, December, and January, Larry, we're going to be facing the idea of, of three things that we need to be aware of. The flu, the Delta, and, and the COVID. And again, when a young person, a, a, ch a child gets a cold, the first thing everybody's going to do is panic. But we don't know whether it is a cold or is the Delta or, I mean, it's going to be very confusing, Larry. And I think that I want my community, our community to know that there is people out there supporting the idea of getting this information out ASAP. Resources, yes. And, and, and that's what we're kind of collaborating here as the Hispanic Task Force you know, with the different organizations to really help our community. And we also have coming up uh, at St. Joseph Catholic Church the ability to get the boosters there from the Hispanic Task Force, again, working with um, the Saginaw Health Center 
which is formerly uh, the Great Lakes. Great Lake. Well, it is the Great Lakes Bay Health Centers yeah, now, yeah. yes. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so the last time we did that, um, we were averaging about 200 people on a Saturday. And it, it really worked, and it was very helpful to get those uh, main shots uh, for the COVID. So we're going to also do that in the coming weeks. So look for that information. We'll post it on all of our sites on the American GI Forum, as well as uh, Civica, the Mexican-American Council, uh, any, anywhere where you get your social media information, look for that information to get that booster shot because what's going to happen is they're going to open it up to everybody. You know, right now it's 65 and older, but that is, you know, if, if you're in a, a high traffic volume area and you need to get that booster, like I did working at the Union Civica for the Patito Sales, Alan Menudo, I was able to get that booster shot, um, ahead of, the age uh, 65 and older, because I'm not 65 and older yet. <laughs> Thank you. But uh, yeah, I'm getting there. I'm getting close now. But, uh, it, you know, it's a, it's so important. And, you know, in the midst of all this confusion with the booster shots as well as, uh, you know, what do you what do you do for your child going back to school? What do you what do you do with, you know, making that decisions for holidays? Do we do we go to grandma and grandpa's house for Thanksgiving? I, I mean, the times we are living is just been really difficult with that so if anything as the organizations try to put out this information we hope it is helpful to our community look for it support us support our organizations because we're trying to do the right thing for the community and we're, and we're not about the, the politics and we're not about you know arguing about uh the the science of vaccinations and all we're just saying you know what Statistics are showing that those that are vaccinated are less likely to end up in the hospitals or die from COVID. And that speaks volumes to what we're trying to do here today. Gentlemen, what would you say? You know, you know, I, you said it very well, Larry, and I just have to just to say, you know, repeat what you said. We have to continue to have that communication. I think that's very important because we don't want people to say, I didn't know about it, I didn't hear about it or whatever the case might be, because we do get a lot of those kinds of comments, you know. Uh, and I think for what we're doing, we just have to continue to do it, and we have to do it in a fashion. And we had to touch bases where persons are at, where they may uh, frequent, and uh, just continue to put the word out, just continue to let them know where these shots are available, let them know if they're going to get a booster, that they're going to need evidence uh, to show that they've had the other two uh, so there's a lot of work still to be done. We we can talk about it for a while, but I think the work has to be uh, when we get out there and uh, start beating the bushes and letting folks know that, hey, we're trying and we're going to do our best uh, to let everybody know that this is happening. Well, thank you, gentlemen. Bobby, any final last yeah, words? I just want to say, again, Larry, we'd uh, like to thank uh, United Way, um, Mrs. Yes. Davis, who actually uh, sat down with us. But uh, I'm hoping, again, Larry, that this project that we're going to be doing is going to open other doors in other cities. And that's what we want to do. Yes, yes. And, you know, as I said before, as we move forward into the holiday season, and we're talking tamale season. I mean, that's coming up for all of us. We're all getting excited as well as the greater community. And, you know, we as we construct our ofrendas and we celebrate Dia de los Muertos or attend the novena to Our Lady of Guadalupe, Please, people, remember all those who we knew who have passed from this pandemic with great fondness and who we hold their memories in our hearts. Let's be smart and let's not needlessly end up in a hospital because we weren't vaccinated. Because statistics are showing that the science is indeed helping in this long COVID battle. Be smart. 
Hasta luego. Until next week, I'm your host, Larry Rodarte, here on Mi Gente On Air. <laughs>